Welcome to Fruit Bowl, an oral history of queer sex. Masculine tops, power bottoms, butch girls, femme boys, bears, otters, unicorns. There's no shortage of labels that queer people use to describe different sexual identities and preferences. But how do we navigate that horny, thorny path between realizing we're queer and deciding which boxes to check when filling out our dating profiles? Fruit Bowl features first-person stories that explore the unique ways we develop our sexual identities by sharing the sometimes messy, always fascinating, real-life sex histories of queer people. Our first introduction to sex, the embarrassing moments we'd like to forget, and the reliable bedroom moves that we've discovered along the way. Basically, all the stuff we wish we'd known when we first came out. Interviews are edited for clarity and brevity because we all know how much we love to talk about ourselves. Thanks for listening. Let's begin. Welcome to Fruit Bowl, an oral history of queer sex. I'm your host, Dave, and the creator of Fruit Bowl. And with me today is Scott. Hi. How's, how's it going? Great. Um, thank you for doing this. My pleasure. I'm happy to be here. Scott is a, a practiced professional speaker, so we have a, a professional here with us today. Ooh, <laughs> professional. Um, yeah, so we're going to get to our interview with Gabe in a little bit. But before we do that, I'm just going to talk a little bit about an exciting new venture we're doing here at Fruit Bowl, which is a Patreon page. And for those of you who don't know what Patreon is, it's a way to sort of crowdfund in a continuous way, instead of, say, something like Kickstarter, where you do one focused campaign f for a certain amount of money. Um, Patreon is more about subscriptions and monthly uh, fees that are that go to creators for creating works like podcasts. Often podcasts use them as a means of sustaining funds. We have only just begun to work on the content for the page. What I'm planning on doing is posting behind the scenes looks at our production when we're on the road doing interviews also for the podcast. And then also not sure if people know this or not, but every interview for fruit bowl is, is filmed with video in anticipation of a documentary feature that I'm working on. So the Patreon will also offer access to video clips, um, exclusive video clips of the interviews. And what I'm going to do is just, cut little vignettes of different moments from the interviews that I think are, are funny or ones that are best supported with video. Like maybe the, the interviewee shows something or, or has a visual sort of explanation for something they're talking about. So I'm going to feature the video for those moments. Up until now, these podcasts have been a very one-sided conversation, but I would love to start hearing from listeners about what you think about the series so far, and now that you've had a chance to, to uh, listen to a few episodes, what I would like to know from listeners is what would you like to hear more of? Specifically, do you like the co-host banter that I've uh, included on either side of each individual's uh, interview? Or would you just prefer to hear just the interviews? Um, so that's one thing I'm curious about for listeners. Um, also, do you like it when the co-host is also the featured interviewee? Um, lately, I've been mixing it up and having people comment on other people's interviews. I find that sometimes that's a little bit more fun just because 
my guest co-host doesn't necessarily know the person, so they can be a little bit more objective. And one other question I have is, do you have any questions or comments about the project? I would love to hear from listeners um, about anything, really, um, about the process or about themes that you want to ask guests or interviewees, any question you have about uh, the podcast in general. And you can write me through the email portal on our website, which is fruitbullpodcast.com, or you can tweet at me at fruitbullpod. Up until now, I've been funding this whole project myself, and now that I'm starting to ramp up production with both the podcast and the interviews, I'm going to start to need a little more help financially with uh, production, and so the Patreon page will definitely help with that. But also it's a means of just uh, communicating with fans and starting a conversation, which is really the whole point of doing Fruit Bowl. I want to have people talk about sex in in a non-judgmental forum where they can feel like they can share things that maybe they might not otherwise share. What was it like uh, being interviewed for you, Scott? It was really fun. <laughs> we don't often like just hang out and talk about sex with our friends, so it's really interesting to just to get to like explore different topics about sex and share your memories and um, in in a not like Sex in the City kind of way, right? Like just a more straightforward, honest way. That's <laughs> yeah, not bragging to your friends or anything, <laughs> right? I agree. Uh, I mean, that is one of the big reasons I'm doing that is because I find that I don't often have these conversations with, with friends and maybe it's a part of the queer experience in that when we first come out, there's a sort of a shame element to Mm -hmm. conversations surrounding gay sex. And we feel insecure about articulating things, putting, putting those things out in the open, but it's often like, a lot of people have a lot of questions. <laughs> they do, absolutely. <laughs> and a lot of advice they want to give, too. I, I feel like I've learned so much uh, just in these interviews I've done so far, just about, like, good old advice, facts, you know, opinions about what works, what doesn't work. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and we, you know, we sort of lost a whole generation mm-hmm. of people before us and so we didn't ever really have anybody to talk to or ask questions of and yeah i find now that i'm getting a little older it's nice to have younger friends to be able to give that advice to and right there seem to be more open to asking the questions that is true this generation is a lot less insecure when it comes to asking yeah questions or talking about sex maybe they're just more used to it from social media yeah exactly or things like podcasts. I feel like yeah. media has become so granular in terms of how it's how it's speaking to... You can get anything you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Audiences. Yeah. Um, you can have as much of a focused audience as you want now. Yes. So absolutely. that's, that's pretty exciting. It's really cool. And I think podcasts have really helped out in that respect in terms of giving voices that were otherwise at the margins a more central focus. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's really leveled the playing field in so many ways. Yeah. So there are several subscription tiers that you can access on Patreon. The video tier that you can access and look at video each month is $5 a month. A year ago, I shot 18 interviews here in Seattle in preparation for a short film I made for the Hump Film Festival that is based here in Seattle. Um, and I titled the, the film Porn Yesterday, and it won the Jury Award. 
uh, at last year's hump. Um, so that is one of the videos that you can watch on the Patreon site exclusively. I've only made it accessible to uh, to patrons. And then I'm also planning on doing live streaming events where you can like ask me questions in real time. So that would be something that I could do that would be really fun. Guest expert. Right? I, love, <laughs> I would love that. I would love to also like invite healthcare professionals or oh, mental yeah. health professionals who deal with the queer community specifically and address things that are unique to our challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, in our de- developmental stages and also just everyday stages of navigating queer life right now. I would like to say that one thing I'm not going to do much of is updating the Facebook page. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I've, I've like felt obligated to make one in case people on Facebook went searching for some kind of support for the project. But like, I had this teaser that I made for porn yesterday uh-huh. and I mean, you've seen the film. Yeah, yeah. The opening shot is is everybody saying the word porn. Yes, right. Yeah. It, it, oh, like over and over, and and then at the end of the teaser, it's just a title card with the with my website address. So I uploaded that to Facebook the other day, and I went to check on it just to see if it had gotten any views. Of course, it hadn't, and the reason I realized is because they had cut. The video, so that all it was was the title card with my oh, no. website what? address. Yeah, I think that their algorithm or some sensor somewhere cut out porn. Cut out the word porn because it was like a problematic term that they just automatically Facebook would remove. Is such a pain in the ass. So I'm just like, okay, well, this isn't gonna work. No. Um, so I did just. I put a landing page there, but I'm not really going to populate it with content just because it feels like such a losing battle. Absolutely. And and Patreon does have like an adult uh, setting. So if you have content that's meant for adults, you can you can specify that and people who are underage can't access it, which I'm totally fine with. Um, yeah, that's, you know, appropriate. So fuck Facebook. Exactly. <laughs> cool. Well, we're going to get to our interview now. We're going to listen to Gabe's interview and uh, after that we'll be right back and we'll talk about it with Scott my name is Gabriel Um, I'm 24 originally from San Jose but now live in Seattle I went to a very Christian school. It was very, like, also very strict. And when I was doing theater, every opening night of whatever show we were doing, we had something called Boxers on Parade, where all the boys in the dressing room would ship down their boxers, and then we would we would start banging on the door and go, Boxers on Parade, do, do, do. And then we would, like, march through the entire theater in our boxers. So it'd be, like, a little... So I guess that... And that was when I was, like, eight? I want to say. That's probably the most sexual moment that I could think of. My parents had like this massager, like a back massager, and I would just put it in my crotch and just kind of like let it buzz. And I think that would like get me off, but I wouldn't really know it. I used to play doctor with the kid across the street constantly, and then his mom found out about it. And then... That was the night that my parents had the talk with me. And so I was never really punished for it. It was definitely like frowned upon, um, but they never reprimanded me for it. Cause it was just like, oh, he's a kid and this and that. Um, 
So that was like when I found out what sex was. Mm. Um, my parents never let me like watch PG-13 rated R movies. I remember that it, sex existed in those movies. And that like whenever I would go over to my cousin's house, they were allowed to watch those movies. So sometimes I'd like to peep in, but they were even good about not letting me watch those because that's what my parents, my parents were very adamant about it. Um, I mean, that was basically how it was until I was like 15. How I learned about sex in the first place. I can actually kind of pinpoint it back to a day. Um, I was 11 and my family was having a wine party downstairs. My parents make wine as like a huge hobby of theirs and all their friends were over and they were all talking and getting ready for, I couldn't tell you what it was, if it was like a bottling or a crush. But so I ran upstairs and the first thing I did was just like, I kind of sat down in my seat and I think I was supposed to be working on homework and I just got really excited and typed in older, fat, naked men. I was into like chubs growing up. When I was growing up and I, when I'd go to church, this is when I was super fucking young, I'd have this idea that if I could stop time and then if I could go up to any of like the older men in their seats, take down their pants and like literally like suck their cock, and then pull their pants back up and then zip them up again. Like, I wondered, I always would wonder if they would know. Cause I always think about it, like all these like older men. So that's probably why I thought about it and why it kind of came to me. Um, it's like, this has always been my fantasy. Why not just try start here? I was like in heaven. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And just kind of like started filtering through the pictures, but I didn't want, there wasn't any sex on that website. It was just naked bears. <sighs> I can, I can literally picture the website and what it looked like and the men that were on there. I can never tell you, I cannot tell you what it was called, but I've never been able to find it. Um, as far as sex goes, I remember it was the Next Door Buddies website. Totally not my cup of tea, um, but it was like the first like exposure to like sex, like gay sex that I had ever seen or sex in general. I couldn't even tell you if I got hard or not, but I was definitely very aroused and excited. Um, didn't know what masturbating was. Uh, even though I knew what I was watching, I didn't know that that was sex. I just didn't know that penis going into hole was the act of sex. I just thought, sucking and fucking and rimming and all of that was sex. I knew the feeling, but I didn't know how to do it. And like I said earlier, I think guys next door taught me how to masturbate. And I was like, okay, if I keep doing this for long enough, I'm gonna have this moment. That's gonna make me feel really, really good. Yeah, so it was just like a lot of like exploring and I was extremely nervous that someone was gonna walk in because we had an open door policy in our house. So I just had to be really cautious. So when I was probably 12 or 13, I had this idea of like when I would watch porn, I gave myself strikes. Like, like you can only, you have three strikes. Like you're only allowed to watch this three times. 
some bullshit. <laughs> like, <laughs> I watch porn every day as much as I possibly could. <laughs> um, that door would, that bathroom door would be locked for hours. <laughs> um, but something that I got into that was, I guess you could say kinky, probably when I was like 13 or 14. Wow, this is really intimate. <laughs> um, I used to go on webcams. Yeah. Um, I used to go on like Omegle and there's a few other ones. Um, and then I would Skype with like older men. So yeah, there's, and that was up until I was like, until I was like 18 and I would just tell them that I was 18. And then some of them, I would also like dial it back. Like once we'd be in Skype, I would dial it back and be like, Oh, just kidding. I'm actually 16. And then they would still stay on. So I never really realized how bad that was until I was like of age. And, um, but for a very, very short time, it was something that kept me awake. And then I was like, I can't do anything about it now. And honestly, it's kind of just fuck with the wind, you know, like, yeah, it'd be really interesting to like log back on. I was telling my roommate, I was like, it'd be really interesting to log back onto that Skype and like look at my past stuff. Most of these men were very much just sleazy. Mm -hmm. Yep. I mean, they're on web chats. I mean, they used to live in, I think, Timbuktu. Yeah. So mm -hmm. this was their outlet. It was, it wasn't like, I wasn't like having sex on cam or like fucking myself with anything. It was just us jacking off and talking dirty to each other and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, one guy did get me to drink piss, though. That was my first, like, drinking piss experience. I was probably, like, 15. I didn't like it at the time. Now it's a little different, you know? <laughs> I rekindled my love for it. <laughs> um, personally, for me, my first time was, I would say, three separate instances. Um, and one was, like vacation Bible camp with this boy and we were both counselors and we locked ourselves in the bathroom and he tried to stick it in me. Didn't really work. Um, so I consider that one of them. That one was when I was 17, but my first real one when I was 18, uh, I went on Craigslist and was looking for like a daddy and he picked me up one night and we sucked each other off in the car in his car and then the next morning he picked me up and took, he took me to his house and then he fucked me um i did not like to bottom i didn't know how to prepare i was not prepared it just hurt and i really wanted to get through it really quickly it was not enjoyable it was not hot he was sexy i wanted him like sucking him off was fun Having all the foreplay moment was fun. And I kept remembering, remembering like his dog kept barking and it was super annoying and in like interfaces and no finesse. Like I told him that I was a virgin and I'd always wanted to be fucked. Um, and then not to mention after that, I was only a top for about two years because it was just such a painful experience. And then another daddy, Show me the way. <laughs> Ooh, mm. Okay, so this guy was like tan and had the whole underwear like white butt. Oh, it was so, 
he was so hot. And he finally came to town. We'd been chatting for a long time. And he came back to town. And uh, he was only a top, but he's like, God, your cock is great. Like, I would love you for you to fuck me. And I was like, okay, great. So I did. And so I fucked him. And he's like, do you ever bottom? And I said, no. And he's like, do you like to bottom? I was like, no, I hate it. And I described to him my past experience. And he's like, it does not sound like he knew how to fuck you at all. And so I was like, okay. And he's like, go in the bathroom. I have a setup. He's like, do you know how to use this? And I was like, uh, I think I've used it like once before. I used his bulb, cleaned out, and then came back. And he's like, he had, he had a pretty big cock too. It was very similar to the, guy, like the first guy who fucked me. And he's like was talking me through every single moment that was going on. He's like, all right, put the head in. And he just kind of like, he's like every inch, he would just let me take it. And he's like, open up. And like, for some reason I had this instinct, this natural instinct, like just literally opened up my hole. And he's like, just push out, push out and like, let me in. And then I remember he was just like, clench really tight and then you'll get used to me. And then he still fucked me for like an hour. And, it was very great. It was just yeah. like, I fucking get it. This is so good. Uh, it was uh, a magical evening. Think of myself as an over, like an all-around player. I'm an equal opportunist. I'll give everyone a fair shot. Um, I am an amazing kisser. I've always wanted to kiss myself, but I, I, I have an idea of how of what kind of kisser I am. Um, I had an ex, and he and I just, whew, it, it was like fireworks. And our faces, it was just like you didn't really know where each other bodies like start and began and that's just kind of how I always like envision the way that I kiss because everyone tells me I'm a great kisser I love rimming for a long long time I don't want you to sit on my face because I can't breathe and I mean that can be hot in certain situations but it's not like the long play for me for me is like I want you to just sit back while I go to town on you other man is laying down on his on his stomach and just letting me like spread his cheeks mm -hmm. and just sit there, enjoy your time, watch a movie. I've literally rimmed somebody through the entire Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, I swear to God. Um, <laughs> I have this infatuation with asses. I love them. Mm, I love them. They're so good. And I'll, yeah, everything about them. So I would say that those are my two best moves. I ended up meeting this guy on Grinder, and he was a hoarder. Very, very shortly after this, I learned never walk into a hoarder's house. His bed was more of like, it was like one of those mats that you get at the gym and you're like doing your exercises on, like, and you're doing like crunches on. So it wasn't, really, <laughs> it was just blue. It was like this bright royal blue mat. It was very interesting. He also had a fuck ton of cats. And one literally jumps on my back and scratches the shit out of me. 
and I start bleeding everywhere. He's like, just get in the shower. I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm going to get like typhoid if I walk into the shower. So I was like, you know what? I threw on my shirt and I ran out the door. I was like, I can't do this. It's such a nightmare. <laughs> Shortly after that, I deleted Grinder. I think like one thing that's really embarrassing that I've always been a little ashamed of. Um, so I dated this guy and he was paused and I was, I think I was 19. And um, I told him that I trusted him. He was very open with me. He was undetectable. You know, we were, he was, I told him that I was okay with it. And I told him my past experiences. And when it came to me bottoming for him, um, everything was great until I came. And then I got clammed up. He fucked me. Mm. And then he didn't get inside me. He came like on my chest and he never pre-came. And so I don't know why I was in my head about it. And then I came and then I was all in my head. Mm-hmm. It was like, okay, I'm really into this. I'm really into this. Everything's going to be fine. I was not on prep. I was not being safe. Um, yeah, it was very like, like once I came, then I kind of shut down and we had like one or two more defeats after that. Cause like I couldn't, get it out of my head and that was just not fair i know i've learned a lot and i've always felt a little guilty about that so that's one thing that i've always been like a little like embarrassed about don't think about it too much i put a lot of weight on my in my sh- on my shoulders and like in my head about how I have to perform and who I'm performing for. And that only has just given me a lot of anxiety about having sex. And in relation to that, like I don't perform, like I don't get hard a lot, especially in like group scenes. Um, if somebody's like in my mind too hot for me, I have trouble like getting hard constantly so I definitely put a lot of like I wear bottoming as a crutch the chemistry's there I'll be fine um but sometimes if the chemistry's there and I have feelings for this person I'm constantly going through my head am I getting hard like if they're going if they're like sucking me off like oh my god am I getting hard am I getting hard like I it's just something that plays over in my head and I put way too much weight on myself I'm like just enjoy the person who's in front of you. I, if that's one thing that I could tell myself, mm-hmm. is just stop thinking about it so much. Because it's just another man with a dick. I mean, that's all it is. And most of the time, they're not here to harm you. You know what I mean? I lived in San Francisco. Gay life there is very different than gay life here. I mean, we have such an amazing community up here. And I've only been here a year and a half, and I have a amazing group of friends that I call my family. Diesel is like home. I think a home away from home for a lot of people. And I definitely feel that. I mean, it's just a bar, but it's not. I mean, it's where I come and see people in my community. It's how we connect. It's how I get to see amazing people multiple times a week. And it's so random, but I constantly get to commute like, People know about my life that I don't hang out with outside of Diesel. And that's just really special to like know that people actually care. Mm-hmm.
might be a very good resource for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It worked out. <laughs> and we're back talking about Gabe's interview. I'm just going to start us off. I thought it was funny. Gabe's first experimenting with uh, masturbation, but not even knowing that's what it was, was when he was like, he had his parents massager. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard this story from a few people where like kids will, will use something like that and not even really know why it feels so good yeah, exactly down there. Right. And just listening to Gabe's story just now reminded me that my parents had this mail order vibrating pillow when I was a kid. <laughs> and yeah, it was something that had, it was like a really tacky, ugly pillow, but it was sold to them as something that could help back pain. Oh, okay. It was one of those. Like, Why would you have a vibrating pillow? Yeah. And so you were supposed to sit on your chair with it oh. on the small of your back, but I've realized that I really enjoyed it when I just held it right on my crotch. <laughs> <laughs> and of course I, you would. And I think this was pretty much way before I ever learned what, what masturbation was, but I just knew that it, it felt good. Yeah. <laughs> One other thing that stuck out with me was how hardwired Gabe was when he went online finally to look for porn and how his... So young. Young, and also the fact that he knew right away that he was going to look for bears. Old fat man. <laughs> Old fat as man. your search term. That's yeah. hilarious to like, me. That was his first go-to. That is so interesting. Like, normally I would have assumed that someone just experimenting and exploring would, would want to just take it all in right in the landscape and kind of see what's out there. But the fact that he just went straight to kind of what I guess most would consider bear porn. Yeah. Um, and I guess he was inspired by the people in his church. I like, think so. Yeah. All the men some, in his church. Yes. Some hot, like suburban dads in his church, uh-huh. probably daddies. <laughs> I know. It was funny to me when he said that fantasy of freezing time and would they know? And I thought, well, would they know they got off? Or was he curious that they'd know it was him? Right. Sounds like a Black Mirror episode. It does. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we should make that. Time starts and they all have their pants around their ankles. (laughs) He wakes them up and they're all like, wow, I feel so much better for some reason. Um, God has spoken to me. Gabe has a unique background in that early on in his experimentation phase, he tried bottoming and it did not go well. Right. And then for, he said for a while, he was a top out of... Because he didn't want to bottom. Yeah, yeah out of so, fear. So bad, yeah. So he's kind of had a role reversal Ro- yeah, in exactly. his, his his sexual evolution, which I'm fascinated by because now he, he says how he's most often a bottom. Yeah. He, he really, I think, articulates well the necessity for a mind-body connection. Connection, right. Which I think is perfectly illustrated in his description of the first bottoming experience with a partner who clearly didn't know what they were doing. Right. And then comparing and that... And didn't care. And didn't care... <laughs> Um, and then comparing that to the guy who was really patient with him and talked him through every process. That was amazing. That was amazing. That, that should be the standard, yes. right? We should all be on a, in agreement and talk through what we're doing. And mm-hmm. But what a rare thing that is. And what a beautiful gift for him to get that yeah. back, essentially, about getting bottoming back, right? Like, to have someone say, no, 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 here's how you do this. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, but it also made me think there's... 
I was trying to remember myself, like, how did I learn to prepare mm -hmm. as a bottom? There's so much expectation for that now. And yes. it almost seems shameful. Like, so many guys are afraid of, like... Because I, I, I mainly top these days. And guys are just mortified if I know. there's, like, a speck of shit anywhere. I know. And I'm like, you know what? Do you know what we're doing? Yes. I'm putting my dick in your ass. That's right. probably going to happen at some point. It's not a big deal. And I don't care. Yeah. But they're just mortified about it. But I don't remember that from having sex 20 years ago. I don't remember ever... There is a focus lately about yeah. really cleaning out, making sure you have absolutely and, and no... And like all these pills they're taking mm. to be clean all the time and mm -hmm. and not eating dinner when you go out. And I'm like, oh my God, just like live your life. It's just yeah. sex, right? It's so bizarre. No, I think you're right. I think our generation has a much more relaxed uh, attitude. Also, here's something that we were also going to talk about like our generation growing up, we were instructed condoms, condoms, condoms. Yes. It was like a no brainer. And they're I feel broken. like now that people are barebacking more often, maybe uh -huh. shit is a little less tolerable Yeah, because it's on be. their skin. Yeah. Whereas if you were using a condom, it was like it's wearing a like, glove yeah, cleaning exactly. up. Yeah. So that could be, absolutely. I think that might have something to do with it. Yeah. But, but you're talking about this reminding me of online on, on, Tumblr the other day, I saw this really funny, very descriptive, uh, almost like comic book instruction on how to clean out. Oh. And it, it went oh, down into that. the weeds. Yes. Yeah. Like, I, what kind of, like, are you going to, is it the one, like, if you're going to get fisted, yes. go this way. Yeah. <laughs> that was, yeah. That's, but it's actually really it well done. It is well very done. Very informative. But, but also very specific. And, yes. And I think geared towards this generation's obsessiveness about uh, obsessiveness being, about being it yeah out. exactly i'll try to find that and post it on our patreon because yeah. i think it's pretty funny it is uh, it's, yeah illustration of, of cleaning out yeah it's unbelievable <laughs> yeah i thought it was interesting to hear him talk about sleeping with the hiv positive guy mm -hmm. and just how I think all of our community's ideas and fears and anxieties about HIV have shifted yeah. over time. It's such a different world these days mm -hmm. than it used to be. Even PrEP has changed so much yeah. in people's understanding and, I think, tolerance and acceptance. And, you know, I remember being in college in the early 90s and AIDS was like... I know. In your face, and it was, like you said earlier, it was like condom, 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 because you never had sex without a condom. And yeah. It's just this whole, in some ways, a dreamland now, right? Let's, mm -hmm. yeah. I look at it, it as coming full circle. Yes, like, absolutely. We're coming back around to the time that was pre-AIDS. Pre-AIDS, exactly. It's in like that, having sex in the 70s again. It really is. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, and so... I've had to do a little mental recalibration too. Yeah. Um, I tend to still use condoms when I have hookups. Uh -huh. I have a partner. We don't use condoms, but if either of us play outside the relationship, then we have a rule to use condoms, condoms. mostly to do with STD prevention. Yeah. And I totally get people who want to just be free and not worry and take care of the STD. If it, if it yeah. pops up, yeah, that's a total game plan. That's, a little bit more, uh, I think, complicated. Yeah, um, it is. But you know, make your decisions. Have Have you? What What is your position? I'm the latter. I 
wet years and I was all proud of never having had an STD and mm -hmm. now I've had them all and I don't yeah. care. <laughs> right. Um, so you don't use condoms? I do sometimes, but not by default. No. Mm -hmm. with, um, with your hookups or? Yeah. Did it take you a while? It took a while. It was, yeah, it was a gradual progression. You're on prep? And I'm on prep mm -hmm. and, you know, do the testing every three months and yeah. Part of it too was just finding a good doctor that I felt comfortable with and trusting, and not yeah. you know, having to feel ashamed if I got an STD or you know just yeah it it just um, that's a big one. It took a big it was a, it took a long time to find the right one. Mm -hmm. um, it's it, shocking how many doctors don't know about prep. Yeah, it's like a, it is crazy. It's like, yeah. Could you maybe fucking inform your community right. about what to talk, how to talk to gay men about sex, yeah. and what their well, options are? I, I had a doctor when f prep first became available. I had a gay doctor, and he told me not to go on it. He was <laughs> like, "No, I'm not going to prescribe this for you." What was his rationale? He thought it was too new. He didn't feel like he knew enough about it, and he believed that it was going to lead to unsafe behavior and a rise in STDs, and yeah. which probably is true. Um, but you also have to get tested but, every three months. Yeah, exactly. I was like, I never got tested every three months before <laughs> yeah. I was on this drug. It's great. Yeah. Just the testing alone. I do um, like that they do that. Yeah, I do too. So it was really prep that made you comfortable and not using condoms as often. Yeah. Obviously. It did. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, what about guys who insist on barebacking? Like, it's not even... Oh. I don't know. I guess that's a... You mean... I guess it's, it's their own personal it decision. Is a, it's a decision. It's a choice. But... Um, I don't know. I feel like... I, personally, I just want to be open to my partner or whoever I'm having sex with, right? If you want to have a condom, let's have a condom. Right. Yeah. It's not a deal breaker by any, mm -hmm. by any means. Not, not anymore. No. But, but that's what I guess we're talking about. The core is that had somebody said that even five years ago, it would have been shocking. Shocking. Absolutely. <laughs> You'd be like, okay, yeah, you must really want to get HIV. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, I yeah. guess, like, my interest in the subject is how we've made such a radical change in our behavior in such a short amount of time that, and, for me, yeah. it's 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 still a little hard to wrap my head around it. Theme-wise, with this project, the biggest generational divides I've seen are pre- and post-prep yeah. and pre- and post-internet. Internet, yep, absolutely. And... Yeah. I'm fascinated by that yeah. evolution. It's so, it's so interesting, especially those of us who've who've bridged the the divide. The divide on both twice. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So it takes some getting used to. Yeah, <laughs> I liked what Gabe said about finding his community. Yeah, me too. Here, here it's the diesel is the the bear bar here in town, but yeah. I bet a lot of people have similar experiences finding a community in a bar or an organization and how that's really helped him get more secure with yeah. his body. Yes, absolutely. A group of people saying you're okay helps a yeah. lot. I don't know. <laughs> and just you're that, welcome. And mm -hmm. yeah, just that like, anyone would shame Gabe for the way he looks is it's crazy, right? He's so, yeah, he's so adorable. He's adorable. <laughs> and such a sweet guy too. Yes, absolutely. 
Well, that's it for our interview today. Thank you, Scott, for coming and talking. Thank you for having me. And you'll be able to hear Scott's interview with another co-host, which is actually Gabe. So that'll be fun. <laughs> you have not heard that yet. No. <laughs> well, well he was very, he was very kind. So you'll you'll enjoy listening to that. So, all right. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Fruit Bowl. Thanks for listening to Fruit Bowl. If you like the podcast, tell your friends and take a moment to rate and review it on your podcast app. That really helps us spread the word. If you want to learn more about Fruit Bowl, visit fruitbowlpodcast.com, where you can find links to current episodes, as well as information about our interview process and links to our social media, including our new Patreon page. Patrons who pay a monthly subscription fee can access behind-the-scenes updates, participate in live chats, and access exclusive video clips. Once again, that's fruitballpodcast.com. Fruitball is proud to promote Seattle's Kaleidoscope, a weekly film series curated, edited, and hosted by Shane Walland and Michael Anderson, video artists, filmmakers, and lifelong conservators of pop culture. Kaleidoscope features found video oddities and delights, lovingly curated and often set around a theme, a showcase of the good, the bad, the weird, and the wonderful. An audiovisual mind-melting evening of low-investment, high-return video entertainment. New every time. Visit KaleidoscopeSeattle.com. That's C-O-L-L-I-D-E-O Scope Seattle.com. This has been a Fruit Bowl production. All rights reserved. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.